Welcome to The Howler, your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Drew Blevins and Nick Sinopoli. And we welcome you to The Howler Podcast, where you're about to be given the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Drew Blevins alongside of Nick Sinopoli. As always, we're brought to you by our good friends at White Street Brewery. Nick will be joining me in a second. Right now, our guest on the podcast is the head coach of the NC State softball team, Sean Rychick. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a rocky start so far for this <clears throat> NC State softball team. A 3-11 and record coming into this week. But, Coach, that record looks like it could be deceptive because you've played a fair amount of ranked opponents or opponents that are receiving votes and even going back to the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Can you explain what it's like to play against teams that are ranked so high in softball, both of them powerhouses out of the Big Ten? Yeah, it was a challenge. You know, when we made the schedule out, we didn't know exactly who we would draw. And we got into some good tournaments and, and didn't know who we would draw in those tournaments either. And I knew there was a potential to get some ranked teams, which is great. I like playing that tough schedule. I think it kind of prepares us and teaches us where we need to be. Uh, but we did draw the high, high end of everything. We've drawn four and five and some, the top two teams in the Big Ten. And I think uh, Minnesota's uh, really going to have a good year this year. They've got seem to have all the pieces right now. So it, it was a challenge. I think it was a little bit of a surprise for us to get something that high and um, like I said, it's been a challenge and we're a fairly young team this year. And I think when we made the roster or made the lineup or the schedule for the, um, season, our lineup originally was going to be a little different. We had a couple medicals, we had a transfer and we had a girl walk away that pitched. Uh, and those were all p- parts of the puzzle that would have helped with that schedule. And now we turn into, um, really only three players with any significant playing time, Tyler Ross, Molly Hutchison, and Alyssa Compton are the only three that have significant innings and at-bats under their belt. Everybody else has pretty much kind of getting their first taste of everything on a consistent basis. And from that standpoint, there is some growing pains that are going on. And when you look at the youthfulness of this team, would you rather them go ahead and take their lumps early without so many at-bats under their belt? Because hopefully they get to see the experience and how good NCAA Division One softball can be growing forward. Is this sort of a growing experience for your team? Well, it definitely will be. I, I hate seeing anybody take the lumps. You know, I, I wish we were ready at this level right now, but not very many freshmen are. Very, very few freshmen in the country can kind of step in and and be put in roles that these kids have been put into and, and just stand in and shine. So there is some growing pains. It's a, a mental battle, I think, as much as anything for everybody, just to um, hang in there and, and know that this is the high end of softball. You're going to be okay and just trust it. And, and when you get through it, you're going to be a lot better for it. That's a hard thing to tell somebody that's never had any success at this level. And the first thing they have is a little bit of failure and struggles, and then they second guess where they're at. So I think that's some of the challenges we're dealing with right now is just um, just how the kids are feeling and confidence level. And that's something we're addressed and talked about each day, it seems. And, uh, you know, we're just keeping, keeping uh, our nose down and uh, just trying to get better each day right now. 
you've got Charlotte in the midweek tilt coming up here March 1st, Wednesday, of course. But then you do get to return home and get a whole plethora of home games, Lehigh, Rutgers, and Fordham as part of the Homewood Suites by Hilton, RDU, RTP, Invitational. You saw Fordham last year. This is always the time that NC State hosts the tournament. Are you hoping that maybe playing at home will calm everybody down and hopefully you can find a way to get a few wins here in Raleigh? Yeah, we're hoping to kind of catch our breath here. You know, there's no game in the NCAA is easy. They're, they're, no matter if you're playing a struggling team or a team that's ranked, uh, everybody's got a challenge. Charlotte's a huge challenge. They've been playing really well. They've got a really good pitcher on the mound. She's going to cause some challenges for us <clears throat> in the way we match up with her. Um, we did some prep work uh, yesterday trying to get ready for her, um, but it will be a challenge. And then going into the weekend, you know, with the Fordham's playing well. They've got some good wins. Lehigh is always a traditionally a good good program, and, and Rutgers is in the Big Big Ten now, and, and they get challenged. So there is no easy games. Hopefully, we can get it home and get a, a little bit of a roll. And I think you know everybody's thought is, hey, nobody's got a number in front of them at least for the next few weeks here, and, and that'll be at least a break. Doesn't mean anybody's easy or anybody's going to be a walkover, but we also know that that's not a high, high, high end team that is going to have all Americans on the mound. I think we've faced about four or five all Americans so far on the mound, which I don't care who your uh, batting lineup is, is going to take some, some uh, lumps from those. So I think we look at that in the big picture and just say, Hey, we've got a little bit of a break in terms of uh, ranked team. So let's see what we can do here. Get our feet under our wet, start, start our, our feet underneath us and, and start playing some consistent ball. I think, We've been put in some tough spots early because of the pressure those teams have put on us. And we'd like to try and dictate, put some pressure the other way. So from that standpoint, we're looking forward to the next uh, week or so of ball. And you can catch all of NC State's tournament games on TV and GoPack.com as well. Certainly looking forward to bringing those to you. If we can transition away from the schedule for a moment and talk about some of the individuals on this team, Jade Carraway, didn't play for you last year, tremendous freshman out of West Orange, is really starting to light it up in the batting order. Upper half of the lineup batter with an average of 493 so far. What has it been like to be able to add her to an offense that with Tyler Ross and Molly Hutchison already had a couple good bats? Um, she's gotten comfortable real quick. I think it happened probably late late October. And uh, for, for her, she's just kind of got comfortable in that batting order and just uh, had no problems. Just just very good transition for her. And she's moved out in center field for us and, and done a really good job. So from that standpoint, uh, very uh, excited about how she's played and just she's really playing not like a freshman right now, which is great. It, it helps out. So you can add her to, hey, when things get, uh, we need a big hit or need a big play, she's she's in a good spot for it. So we're, we're pretty pretty excited about it. And looking at some of your seniors, you never want to underscore the value of those players who have been here for a while. Tyler Ross, a little bit low on the batting average side. Still, though, a good hitter. Molly Hutchison there as well. You alluded to Alyssa Compton, who was batting mid-bottom of the lineup last year. When you look at this lineup, though, 1-9 in batting, is this still a team that's going to be able to have that offensive power that we've been used to seeing with NC State teams? I think we're a little different this year. You know, we, we've got a little more speed. McCauley's in the lineup now. It adds a little bit of speed. And I think we just have some different hitters. One thing, we had some kids in the past that could swing it, but we didn't have speed. So we, we got a little bit station to station. And, you know, I think we're 
we're kind of in a the loss of uh, Meredith Burroughs hurt a little bit in the power numbers. It was somebody we would had planned for. Hannah Summer was another one that we had planned for to be in that lineup. Those could have been that could have been 20 more home runs. So we've kind of had to recreate ourselves a little bit in, in who we're going to be offensively. And from that standpoint, um, we're going to we're going to probably play a little more small ball and do some different things. So uh, just a little different team. And I think every year it takes on a different team. We've, we've had some teams that really sat back and swung it. And this year is just going to be a different team. And ostensibly, the other hole left in the lineup was in the pitcher's circle. Peyton Silverman's the new acquisition. You've run her so far for, uh, pardon me as I look at the innings pitch, 41 and a third innings. I missed my place there for a second. 7.96 ERA, but she's been the one shouldering a fair amount of the work so far. You've also got Brittany Nimmo and Harley Hubbard, but no Courtney Mirabella and Emily Wyman was gone a couple of years ago. Ever since those two have left, are you worried about what you have in the circle? I'm not worried about it. It's just that we've got to grow and, and get get uh, mature in the circle. Peyton's a, a freshman. She's learning how to pitch at this level. Both Harley and Brittany were hurt last year, and they never pitched healthy last year, and, and there's still some uh, remnants of, of their injuries in this year in, in how they're affected and, and still in their development, still how much they can work during the week. Brittany still, we have to be patient and, and careful with not to overwork her. Uh, she had some shoulder issues last year that really, really hurt her. And we're, she's still not 100% from the kid we recruited. So from that standpoint, she's still trying to build it and get back. And, you know, the loss of Mirabella was a, a challenge for us. We were expecting to have a senior on the mound. That's what you want to have on the mound. And to suddenly lose that just changes the, the role of everybody. And, and that's where I think Peyton's taken on some extra innings that I'm not saying she wouldn't have had them, but they might have been different innings. And that may have, you know, run her ERA kind of high right now. And I, you go back to – the lineup with some of these stats we're right now, the numbers are kind of gaudy against, but it's partly because of who we played uh, every single weekend. So hopefully, you know, as we get into a different part of our schedule here, we can start to get some consistency in our numbers and, and not really look at the, the total number, but look at a, a period and a, a stretch of how we've been doing over this period of this, of this, these games. And hopefully we'll see our numbers come back to where they should be. And after the tournament ends coming up this weekend, midweek tilt against George Mason, but then you're going to start to hit the ACC schedule, Syracuse, Virginia, Chapel Hill, Georgia Tech, all coming up here fairly rapidly. When you look at the ACC as a softball conference, typically some very good teams are playing in it. What's it like to have to play in a conference that's so tough with teams that historically have been so good? it's a it's a challenge for my young kids they uh excuse me they're getting a taste of it at this level right now and uh florida state's number one in the country so they're they're one of the top teams out there and uh it's it's a challenge every weekend i think uh there's some good coaching and some good teams and and you you better be sharp that weekend or you're going to struggle so it's just an overall challenge. I think our non-conference schedule helps prepare us for it. So we don't see anything new. Uh, we face good teams and uh, we don't have Florida state on the schedule right now, which is kind of a, um, the way they're playing right now. We got a chance to see them play a little bit this past weekend and they're playing really well. So from that standpoint, uh, there's a break, not playing them, but the rest of the conference is tough and we'll, we'll need to be ready. 
you avoid Florida State in the conference schedule. In fact, as the standings are right now, the only ranked team you're going to be playing is number 21-24 Pittsburgh. When you look mm-hmm. at your ACC schedule, do you believe that this is a team that can be competitive in the conference this year? I'd like to hope so. You know, I think we've, we've got some work to do. We've got to get consistent in ourselves, and we've only got a, a week and a half here to do it. So um, it'll be an interesting couple of weeks here leading into Syracuse and where we stand, what our morale is like through this this uh, next uh, six games, seven games, and, and that'll kind of be a real good indication where we're going to be. Um, you know, there's some challenges, uh, like I said, with, the, with uh, people leaving, and it's left us a little bit short. You know, I'm excited about the recruiting and the recruiting class coming in and the ones down the road that, you know, are, are planned to come in. Um, you you got to keep your eye on the big picture the, that, you know, we've had some bad luck with people leaving. And, um, you know, we're we're going to get uh, get this thing going the right direction here. Hopefully we can do it in the next couple of weeks. Coach, thank you so very much for your time. Best of luck this weekend and heading down the stretch in the schedule. All right. Thank you. That's Coach Sean Reichick of NC State Softball coming up on the other side of this break. Nick Sinopoli will rejoin me on the mic, and we'll give you more about NC State athletics, including the final few games of the men's basketball season and the women's team heading into the ACC tournament. This is The Howler. The Howler is brought to you by White Street Brewing Company, handcrafted beer made in the heart of downtown Wake Forest. Visit us just up US 1 at 218 South White Street or at whitestreetbrewing.com. And we welcome you back to the Howler. Drew Blevins rejoined by Nick Sinopoli. Good to have you back. Good to be back for another show. Sean Reichick remaining positive despite the fact his team dropping a few games here early in the season. A lot of them to ranked opponents, though. Highly ranked Oklahoma team, Michigan and Minnesota, perennial powerhouses in the sport. But Coach Reichick remaining positive with the girls that he's coaching. Oh, yeah. You know, Rychek, he, he he's a solid coach. I think this is the right guy in place for NC State for this softball team. He's got some solid pieces on the roster. Tyler Ross, Molly Hutchison, uh, the, the, the list goes on and on. But, yeah, they faced tough opponents. You know, they played Oklahoma, UCLA, Minnesota, Michigan. Uh, a tough schedule for, for them, and I, I applaud them for aiming high. I don't know if they're there just yet to compete with the top 25 in the NCAA yet, but they're on the right track, Drew. Well, let's talk about a coach, though, who has a team that is doing quite quite well. <laughs> and maybe one of the biggest surprises in NC State athletics this year, and that's the women's basketball team. The ACC tournament coming up here very, very quickly. NC State is the number four seed this year, heading down to Myrtle Beach to take on the rest of the ACC's best in women's basketball. But the storyline here is that Wes Moore was just named the ACC Coach of the Year, and really no better candidate for that honor considering what he's done so far this season. If you just look at the wins that he has accrued this year, beating number two Notre Dame at the time, number six Florida State, losing a tight one to number 14 Miami, losing a tight one to number 24 Syracuse, beating number 12 Duke, beating number nine Louisville. This is a head coach that is doing great things at this university. And we've seen it coming for a while. I can remember back in my freshman and sophomore years watching him beat a perennial powerhouse in Maryland when they were still in the ACC and driving this team into the top 10 in the rankings at one point. And that was with a different crop of talent than he's got now. Wes Moore is an excellent basketball coach and well-deserving of this honor. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's been incredible. He's 28th season now as a head coach. He 
is now ten, the 10th tenth most successful active NCAA Division One women's basketball coach in terms of winning percentage. You know, he's got 27 winning seasons, 23 seasons of 20-plus, 10 seasons of 25-plus wins. And he's going to make, you know, the NCAA tournament this year. There's no doubt about that. NC State might host a regional game. You know, they, they're looking to right now be in the top four in their respective region, and they're going in as the number four seed in the ACC tournament. This team ha is stacked. You know, they've got their senior leaders, Maya Spencer, Dominique Wilson, Jennifer Matherin, and Ashley Williams. You know, these ladies are getting it done on the court, Drew. And it's been so impressive to watch this team do what they've done. This was a team that had a little bit of success last year, faltered down the stretch at times, but all of a sudden they've turned into this ranked team. This is back to where NC State women's basketball wants to be. When you look at what Wes Moore is doing with this program, and I know he's a long way off from being the legend that Kay Yao is, was, however you want to frame that, but you got to look at what he's doing with this program. Is there a chance that he becomes the face of women's basketball? Not necessarily overshadowing the legend Kay Yao, but being able one day to stand right there next to her? You know, I don't want to say anything yet. I mean, you know, if in his first couple of years... He's been spectacular. You know, he might never be a K. Yao just because of his tenure here at NC State. You know, it's only his you know fourth or so year. But, you know, what he's done this season really shows how great of a coach he is. You know, NC State 22-7, and 12-4 in the ACC going into the tournament. This is the first time NC State clinched 12 conference wins since 19, the 1997-98 season. And that was the year when the Pack reached the Final Four under K.O. So you never know. You know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say no just because of the name K.O. and what she's done for this university and put NC State women's basketball on the map. You know, in, in his time here, I don't know how many years he's got left. I want to say, you know, maybe 10, 10 or 15 more years in coaching. Um, maybe not necessarily K.O., but he's up there. And he's just, he continues to lead this program to new heights year in and year out. When you look at the ACC tournament field as we head deeper into the weekend, Notre Dame's number one, another regular season championship. Muffet McGraw has that team more than prepared to try to win another ACC championship. Florida State is number two. They continue to be a very, very good team. The Duke Blue Devils are the number three seed. That's a team that NC State beat here in Raleigh earlier in the season. NC State's the number four. They would be expected to play the Louisville Cardinals but Louisville does not have the double bye. They only have the single bye. So they'll be playing Clemson bright and early on Thursday morning at 11 a.m. The winner of that one gets NC State. When you look at this tournament, when you look at the Wolfpack roster, Nick Sinopoli, do you think that this is an NC State team that could quite possibly pull the unthinkable and make a run at a championship in this tournament? I definitely think. You know, if any year, it's definitely this year. And you look no other, really, than the seniors on this team. That's what really what the difference is. When you're talking about teams that can make a run, you look at the more experienced teams on, on ex more experienced players on res your respective roster. You've got Maya Spencer, you know, incredible athlete. You know, she's averaging about, you know, six assists per game this year. You know, do doing her thing game in and game out, you know, just to really put in perspective how what her career at NC State's been like, she is the only player in NC State women's basketball history to score 1,500 points and record 450 assists in, the career, in her career. And that's remarkable. You know that right now she's at 489 assists. That puts her fourth in program history, fourth. 
And with her point total, she's 16th. So, I mean, Spencer is, with the, without a doubt, the leader of this team. She's the catalyst of this offense. But she's got a nice supporting cast around her as well. Well, she's got Jennifer Mather in there. She's got Chelsea Nelson. Ashley Williams, who at one point was a walk-on on this squad, continues to play well. And Dominique Wilson as well. This is a team of excellent basketball players that Wes Moore has on his hands. And I agree. I think that anything's possible once you get into postseason play. State's not going to be the favorite to win this and it's going to be very very tough to knock off Notre Dame if that's who you end up playing at noon come Saturday but I still think that this is a state team that should be feared by everybody else in the ACC and in the NCAA because this is a good basketball team no matter how you slice it and you look at the way they've won games this year how consistent they've been the biggest slip up was against Wake Forest on the play for K game. You can excuse the loss to Carolina because anything happens in a rivalry game, and you better believe that Sylvia Hatchell had all of her girls ready to go against NC State in their play for K game in Chapel Hill. But aside from the rocky start at the beginning of the season, this is a state basketball team that is primed to take the next step and could very well, as you said, be hosting NCAA tournament games in the first or second round of Reynolds Coliseum. Yeah, I, I honestly think the floor for this team come NCAA tournament time is a Sweet 16. I think if they don't come out with uh, a Sweet 16 appearance, it's going to be a disappointment. But I definitely think this team has what it takes to upset Notre Dame because I mean, they've already done it once. I mean, you know, you talk about them defeating Notre Dame, you know, Florida State. Duke, Louisville, the list goes on and on. You know, these girls, they almost beat three ranked teams in a row before falling close to Miami. But one thing Westmore does so well is just he game plans so well. And while this team isn't the biggest team, you know, rebounds for this for this women's squad come about everywhere. You know, each there are a lot of girls in this team averaging around the four and five rebound range. No, nothing really jumping out at you. And one thing I always talk about is that Louisville game where they, de they defeated Louisville in overtime. Uh, my Maya Spencer with a runner in overtime. Louisville is ranked number 23 in the country in rebounding. And they've got, um, excuse me, it's um, Aisha Hines-Allen for the Cardinals. She, definitely the best player for the Cardinals, averaging nearly a double-double, 13.5 points per game and 9.1 rebounds per game. And... NC State went went down to Louisville, and they beat them at their own game. They beat them on the boards 42-40, and didn't need to you know switch up their game plan, didn't need to stay out of the paint. They came at the, came at the Cardinals, and they beat them at their own game. And that's just so impressive to me that while usually you're a team like NC State, you just want to do what works, and they go out there, and they'll beat you at your own game, Drew. They will, and what was impressive about that is that was a long and drawn-out affair oh, yeah. into overtime. Took every last second of the clock for NC State to win that one. But this is certainly a women's basketball team that is looking like a real competitor as we move forward in postseason play. And I guess for me, I think it's if you get this one win in the ACC tournament, I'd be willing to put NC State as a lock to host. Certainly if you're able to upset Notre Dame, you're going to be hosting games. But being able to play inside Reynolds Coliseum, huge advantage for this team as well because they've really valued their time at home considering they didn't have a true home court last season when they yeah, were playing at over at Broughton High School. So it's nice to think that Reynolds Coliseum is going to see this wonderful opening in its new stage. The wrestling team's doing well. The gymnastics team is going to be having the EAGL championships coming up in a couple weeks, and the women's basketball team could be hosting NCAA tournament games inside of the hallowed house that Case built. 
and certainly would be exciting to see postseason basketball returning to Reynolds Coliseum. There is another basketball team, though, certainly one that has fallen well below expectations for the season. That would be the men's team. Mark Gottfried coached his final game inside of PNC Arena Saturday, a 15-point loss rather to the Virginia Cavaliers. We keep talking about this basketball team, this men's basketball team. We talked about the disappointment, but looking back now on Mark Godfrey's career, as his time in Raleigh proper is over and only a few road games left for him to coach before heading up to Brooklyn for the ACC tournament, which is ostensibly where his career with the NC State Wolfpack will end. Looking at his legacy, though, this is still a head coach that got State to two Sweet 16s four NCAA tournaments over his six years here. And the fan base wanted him out after back-to-back years of not making the tournament. It's not necessarily under that scope the most fair thing to do, but we keep coming back to the talent that this team had, that even somebody like a Bobby Lutz, who had never coached at this level, had coached Division One, but not Power 5 Conference, maybe somebody like that could have gotten the talent potential of this team into some tangible results. But Mark Godfrey wasn't able to do it. Ask you this last time, still the right move to fire the head coach? Oh, without a doubt. You know, it, it, it's unfortunate to see what Godfrey has done and him come up empty-handed, really. You know, two Sweet 16 appearances, two uh, four tournament appearances in total. You know, he's almost going to go down in NC State basketball history as the best that never was. Four great years where the potential was there, and it just never panned out. You know, uh, that first year, of course, a remarkable run. You know, no one expected Mark Godfrey to lead that team to the Sweet 16 with Sidney Lowe's recruits. And then the following season, everyone expected NC State to make at least the Sweet 16, that team entering the preseason ranked number sixth in the country. And then, you know, just it seemed like a couple weeks later was out of the top 25, so... The best that never was, Mark Gottfried. Great recruiter. Not the best basketball-minded coach. Can't coach defense. Uh, I think Bobby Lutz, you mentioned him, leaving this past year was huge for NC State. You look at how NC State fared last season while they were 16-17 and 17 overall. They played hard. They played. They they at least attempted defense. You know, looking up and down that schedule, they're, you know, five or six, even seven five-point losses. That team competed and they played hard, and it's just been a different story this season. I think when I look at Mark Godfrey, what I'm always going to remember him doing in his tenure at NC State was doing stuff that he wasn't supposed to do and then not being able to do the things that he was supposed to do. And that type of inconsistency just can't be rewarded. And consistently inconsistent. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And what always keeps coming back to my mind is how low free throw percentage was under these Mark yeah, Godfrey you know, teams. Yeah, 69-70%. It's, it's just not... That it's not ideal. And you look at that costing State a tournament game against St. Louis, a game they probably should have won considering they were the team on the hot streak going into that game, and that would have been at least an avenue for NC State to try to get back to a third Sweet 16 in the Mark Godfrey era. You look at the game that they lost against Louisville after beating Villanova, they had already beaten Louisville earlier in the year. Cat Barber was at sick. Louisville, at, exactly. Cat Barber was sick. So 
maybe a little bit of a pass there, but tough to swallow losing to a team that you had already beaten. And, of course, Louisville's an excellent basketball team. Scott Wood stepping out of bounds against Kansas in the Sweet 16 run prior to that. That's a tough way to go out. Of course, you really can't say Mark Godfrey was supposed to win that game because that's the mighty vaunted Kansas Jayhawks and Bill Self. But there are just times where he wasn't able to do something that was ostensibly easier than what he had done, such as taking preseason ranked and his most talented team to the tournament. While he got that team that was preseason sixth into the dance, losing in the first round to Temple, not a good look. He liked to do the exact opposite of what everyone thought. You know, and I mean, it, this year, you know, NC State was considered a top ten talent team to at least make the tournament and make a run in the tournament with the likes of Dennis Smith, Terry Henderson, Abdul Malik Abu, and the exact opposite happened. And you look at the first year with Mark Godfrey. I think you could look how Mark Godfrey's tenure was at NC State in the first and last years. The first year didn't have much. Had Sidney Lowe's. Uh, recruits, and he turned something out of nothing with a Sweet 16 run in this season. And everyone was thinking Sweet 16, national championship, whatever it was, with the with the talent we, uh, NC State had, and it didn't pan out. So you look at the polar opposites of Mark Godfrey in his tenure in his first and last year. Well, NC State, of course, is going to go to the ACC tournament. They're going to be playing on Tuesday. Right now, they're two spots out of the cellar. Boston College. Still struggling, but they have wins in the ACC this year. Oddly enough, one of them is against NC State. They're 2-14 and in conference. Pittsburgh is 4-13. and NC State is 4-13. and The Wolfpack have the head-to-head over Pittsburgh. And Clemson is 4-12. and Clemson and NC State facing off tonight for a chance to get to play Boston College on Tuesday of the tournament. Looking at that, how many games can you feasibly see NC State winning in this ACC tournament? you got to imagine Boston College is feasible. Maybe you get lucky and pull an upset in the next round, but for me, I just don't see this team making it to Thursday, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, there's no way. I'm making actually making the trip up north to Brooklyn, excuse me, but um, I, I, I really don't see them winning more than one game. I really don't, you know. Still, still kind of... Not sure who they're going to face. Um, I think they'll win one game, maybe. Um, you know, it really depends how they play tonight against Clemson. I think it's a Clemson squad, you know, that is inconsistent like NC State. They have the talent to get it done, but you know, they've got the Jerron Blossom game for Clemson, who at one time was, you know, a first-round pick by most NBA scouts. So, you know, NC State, in my opinion, a one-and-done type of deal in the ACC tournament. I think they'll win one, lose in the next round to, you know, maybe a you know, Florida State or something like that. But it, it it's disappointing, Drew. You know, I, I sound like a broken record here. You know, I, I get sad just talking about it in <laughs> the State season. But, yeah, you know, one game, two game tops. And then once the season terminates, which unless NC State wins the ACC tournament, will be whenever they go out in a couple weeks, there's been so many rumors surrounding transfers, a quote-unquote mass exodus that goes along with Mark Godfrey leaving. He's had at least one player transfer out every year that he's been at NC State. But when you look at what NC State could potentially be losing, A, who do you think they are losing, if anybody, and what are the ramifications of losing those players? Well, when you look, of course, you know, if people leave, if players leave, that's not going to look good for the program. You know, the incoming coach is going to, 
start with, you know, with a one hand behind his back, per se. You know, uh, if I had to pick some people to leave, I think Ted Capita could be gone. I think that guy deserves more playing time. I think he is an incredible rebounder for his size. I think he needs to work on a shot a little bit, but I like Ted Capita. You know, you look at maybe Markel Johnson, you know, while if he did stay, he is by far going to have the starting point guard job next year. You know, you've got Thomas Allen coming in, you know, a Garner native. But that's Markel Johnson's job to lose, so he might just leave just out of frustration. You know, I want to say Abdul Malikabu, but that's hard for me to believe. I think either he's going to either leave NC State out of frustration in the sense that he'll try attempt to go to the draft, play overseas, or he would transfer because, you know, he's just tired of that and, you know, try and get a good senior campaign in. But I think Abu is could be gone. I think I think he I think he's almost a Sherlock to stay. But if I had to look at some, I mean you look at Sean Kirk, Ted Capita, and Markel Johnson, those guys are three people, three players in Z State has to worry about in terms of leaving. And if those guys do leave, whoever the next the next coach is, he's gonna be the laughing stock of the of, of the ACC. You know, you've got all those guys that are leaving. And who do you got left? You gotta start from 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 square one and recruit these guys because the only guy, you know, that's coming in right now is Thomas Allen. Well, and what state fans have to keep in mind in this case is whoever the new head coach is is going to get a grace period, bar none. I do not expect the next season for the NC State Wolfpack to be anywhere close to good. And I agree with you. I think Sean Kirk probably not coming back to the Wolfpack. I think Markel Johnson, in my mind, is 50-50. I'm not particularly worried about Ted Capita. I think that he might be coming back recognizing that he could earn a spot with the new head coach. I think he's given NC State quality minutes at times this year. But I think a lot of it depends on who gets hired as to what these players do. If you've yeah. got if you've got a proven head coach coming in, for example, if Greg Marshall was to take the job and he is a potential candidate, you've got a guy who's led a Wichita State team into the tournament on a couple of occasions and been ranked in the top 10, a very very good Wichita State team at that for a couple of years. If you bring in somebody younger, Kevin Keats, Lavelle Moten, perhaps somebody with that kind of energy and charisma that is going to allow players to want to play for him. Archie Miller. Archie Miller. Well. (laughs) Keep going, sorry. You're like every other NC State fan. Just because you say it doesn't make it so. Um You bring in somebody with that kind of charisma, maybe you can convince people to stay, but I think a lot of NC State's roster for next year is going to be determined by who they hire at head coach. And I was talking with Ethan Barry, uh, guess it must have been a week ago now, and he indicated something to me that I don't think I had thought of, but that would be the the importance of getting this hire right for this program. Oh, it's crucial. It, it's absolutely, it's critical at this point for NC State basketball because this is a program that under Herb Sendak had sort of dug itself out of the old Jim Valvano scandal. And regardless of how true or untrue that was, the allegations that were pinned up on Valvano and pinned onto the university, 
they certainly had a negative effect on the way the university was perceived and resultingly the way the program played because of the sanctions levied against them. And Herb Sendek got Julius Hodge, and he was really that player to dig NC State out of the doldrums. You thought that you were going to get something great with Sidney Lowe, who played on the 83 team. It was a great story. It never panned out. Mark Godfrey, much to his credit, pulled this team back up, got them at times into the national eye again, but here they are falling off. I think at this point for NC State fans, expect a year or two of being down. Expect a year or two with no NCAA tournament and be okay with it and let this head coach have his leeway to build this program. And I think that's the biggest thing now for NC State is you accept your lumps, you accept that this was arguably the worst NC State basketball season when you put in expectations and talent level and overall record. This might be the worst NC State basketball season of the century so far. And then, and, then you, and then you hope whoever the next head coach is in three years will make you legitimate again. You know, it really depends on who the coach is. It does. I mean, it, it really does. It does. It's, it is very – it is so critical. I think you're totally right that it's crucial that NC State gets this hire right. And, you know, I know Archie Miller, of course, is in an NC State fan's mind the number one – the dream pick. It's the sexy pick right there. It's to the get, sexy pick. It's the sexy pick to get Archie Miller. And I, in my opinion, I think that is the best option for in, for NC State as a whole, that basketball team. I, I totally agree. Best chance for NC State. Do I think it's going to happen? No. If they do get him, then I think the majority of these players stay. And I think NC State has not the opportunity to contend for an ACC tournament championship not for a regular season title. I think they have the chance to make the NCAA tournament, but I would say that's that's maybe the that's the expectation if Archie Miller comes in. But it is crucial because since Jim Valvano, you can see how one mistake by a university can really just draw on for so long. You know, you got a Herb Sendek and he, you know, climbs you out of that, but then you go back to mediocrity. Back and forth, back and forth. And that's what NC State fans are tired about. I know we beat the dead horse about this last week. I'm not going to get into that argument. But I, I still think if NC State gets this higher right, they can compete with the blue bloods of college basketball, UNC and Duke. When you look at the head coaching candidates that have been named, Archie Miller is who everybody wants. Is that is If you had to make the hire and you could choose from anybody, is that who you would want out of the candidates listed? I mean, without a doubt, of course, money, if money's no option, I think it's mm-hmm. going to be a pretty penny to buy him out. I, I don't I don't think he's, he's he's about $2 million compared to, uh, I think, Godfrey's 2.4 he's making. I don't think it's too expensive but, for NC State. You know, I mean, of course, I don't know how their budget's, how their budget's looking, but um, I like the, the <coughs> excuse me, uh, the VCU basketball coach. He's looking pretty good right now. Will Wade. He, he's pretty decent, you know, look at him, and you talk about Greg Marshall, you talk about Frank Martin at South Carolina, a couple of good names there, but in my opinion, number one, Archie Miller, number two, Will Wade of ECU. When I look at this coaching search, and I look at how critical it is to get this one right, 
as we've talked about, not to beat the dead horse. There's one guy that I think everybody keeps overlooking, and that's the guy just down the road in Durham at North Carolina Central. And Jared Fialco put out an excellent article on WRAL about taking a look at Lavelle Moten and seriously considering him to be the next coach at NC State. I think that it's critical that you really do give Coach Mo a look because of the local ties he would have. He's another North Carolina boy. And I think the other guy you've got to look at seriously, Will Wade I think is great, but you do have to look at UNCW and Kevin Keats. And I know that I keep naming small schools, small coaches, and NC State has pulled from that before and gotten burned. And you want somebody who's proven. But I think right now the biggest thing that NC State fans want is somebody that has a lot of energy. And and you talk about one guy that, you know, talk about people, not necessarily anyone's talking about Lavelle Moten. Remember Butler coach, you know, Chris, Chris Holtman, Holtman. Chris Holtman. Who's he, a fiery young man in himself. Fiery and it's, it's excellent. Needs, needs some energy. Talked to him at the NCAA tournament him, last know, year. Yeah, I mean, he's, excuse me, he, I mean, he's 40, 46 years old. The guy, the guy's pretty young. He's, he's a fiery guy. And the biggest thing for him, for a hire for NC State, is does he want to come? Because... I think NC State has the money to buy out his contract. You know, Butler is about every year, you know, in their conference competing. They beat Villanova twice. I mean, that, that that's that's huge. You know, the defending national championships, defeating them even once is, is a mark to, to marvel at. But Chris Holman at Butler, he's doing work over there. You know, of course, have the Tyler, Tyler Lewis connection. I mean, nothing really, I guess, with NC State besides getting that transfer. But Holman, year in, year out, I mean, he took a program that Brad Stevens left to go to the NBA, and, and he, he's, he's done well with it. You know, of course, there was a little drop-off from Stevens, had to do some recruiting himself. But Holtman's done an incredible job, and I don't know if he wants to leave the Big East, to be honest, because he's got a good gig over there. He's going to be making the NCAA tournament every year if he stays at Butler. But, of course, what people like to forget is while they say NC State isn't a great job in the ACC, don't agree with that, it's a job in the ACC. It's the best basketball and conference that's been my in the country. And that's been my argument. You know, is that if you, why wouldn't you want to go? If Boston College opens up, you Someone's take that job. You, you at least give it a really good look because the ACC, since forever, potentially the 50s, since it started, is the best basketball <laughs> conference year in, year out in America. It's starting to become the best sports conference, really, in all in And all the only conference that... There are only two conferences I can think that could even levy a claim to that, and that would be the SEC. And that's not really even basketball, though. Well, you've got Kentucky I mean, and Florida holding up the end of basketball. Yeah, yeah. That's and then it. maybe the Big Ten. Yeah. Because, in my opinion, they both have better football programs overall as a conference than the ACC. Yeah. But even the ACC is growing that. That's a conversation for a different time. <laughs> But the energy level of a head coach, I think, is becoming important to state fans. And you look at the coach at this university that's supported the most, it's the guy who's the fieriest. And that's Elliot Avon, who Debbie Yao has tried to oust the past two years, citing lack of postseason success. But still in the postseason, still getting there. And you look at the big cheers he gets for arguing umpires, for getting thrown out of the game. Spin that, move! Spin, spin move! Yes, yes. I, I so dearly hope everybody has seen <laughs> seen that video. But state fans respond to that kind of energy. He had to serve his suspension, actually, the first game this year. That was pretty funny because of the game against Coastal Carolina. That but being continue. said, though, considering you had to spend your first game 
off for suspension. To do it in Hawaii, pretty good. There, pretty good there, there are worse things, worse things that can happen. But Holtman, Moten, Keats, Greg Marshall, and the reason he's unattractive to me is because he's a hyped-up version of Mark Godfrey is what it looks yep, like. I totally agree. Um, Archie Miller would be a wonderful story to have him come back to where his basketball career started at NC State collegiately. Tough sell to get him out of Dayton. Could be a tough sell if the Ohio State job opens up. Uh, That does leave Thad Mata. Really hasn't been pursuant to this job necessarily yet. But as we've said, it's critical to get this hire right. And for NC State basketball, this is a very scary period. And, And I think people are starting to get amped up about who the new head coach could be, but you really do need to do your research if you're Debbie Yow on the search committee because this one's, right. this one's absolutely correct. And as a head coach, you also have to be careful because Dr. Yow is out of this university very, very quickly, and you've got to make sure that in the two or three years that she has left at NC State that you're going to impress whoever the new athletic director is. A lot of variables up in the air right now. Certainly an interesting story. Certainly something to keep an eye on. Yeah, keep an eye on it. You know, Debbie Yow's got to get this right, but it could limit NC State's head coaching, uh, the interest in the head coaching job just because she's leaving in two years. You know, it almost seems like a win-now scenario to secure your job in the years to come. About 15 minutes left in the show here, so let's move from the hardwood onto the diamond sports, and hopefully we'll get a little bit of time to talk about wrestling. NC State baseball drops a tough one to the Charlotte 49ers, 6-5. That is a really, really tough loss considering they had a lead going into the final third of that baseball game. NC State overall now 5-3-0 and on the season. Looking at the rest of the ACC, there are three teams still undefeated. Louisville Cardinals at 7-0. Carolina at 8-0, really resurgent. The Virginia Cavaliers, who have a national championship under their belt recently, they're 8-0. But the team I'm consistently looking at and the team I'm consistently impressed by is the Virginia Tech Hokies. They're 8-1 so far this year. That's a Hokie baseball team to look out for. State 5-3, we asked you last week, and I know it's only a one-game differential now, but are you worried that this team is hovering so close to 500? Eh, nah. You know, I, I think that might be surprising to some people when you look at how NC State really didn't – I mean, they, they didn't play that great against Charlotte. You know, give credit where it's due. Charlotte is a solid baseball team in their con- in the USA Conference. But, you know, we really saw in this game kind of what the Achilles heel – excuse me, <laughs> the Achilles heel – of the NC State Wolfpack was, you know, when they're not hitting the ball, they, they somewhere else is it's got it's got to come from somewhere else because you know their pitching hasn't been all that great. Brian Brown has been out and he's you know still injured a little bit, and it's important that he comes back soon. But NC State, they thrive on hitting the ball. They do, and it's interesting because I think pitching is so very important in baseball. And it's not like State has a bad pitching staff. That that would just be absurd to say. But they did lose a couple of big pieces in Ryan Williamson and Will Gilbert. And now I think they're really struggling to find their identity that when the hitting isn't always there and you have games in baseball where it's not, you hit hot pitchers. It's tough for this pitching staff, still young, to be able to go, yep, my turn to step up. Obviously, everybody's keeping an eye on the phenom left-hander Brian Brown. I'm very big on Austin Staley coming out of the pen. I 
potentially he could even be looking at getting a couple starts if Elliott Avon chooses to go that direction and really explore what he's got. You return Corey Rylder, you return Johnny Piedmont, you return Tommy DeJunas. But other than that, you've got a couple of very young guys that are going to be playing in the midweek this year that aren't necessarily the best pitchers in the world because they are so young. Meanwhile, in the hitting lineup, and I think we had even talked about this last week, one through nine, you are absolutely pounding the baseball, speed on the base paths. It's exciting to see that kind of baseball, especially at the collegiate level. We've seen this team be able to hit for power and hit for contact. They've moved very, very well. Elliot Avon said on a couple of times right here at Doak Field that this team has played very well. But what does it take for this team to get a little bit more consistent down the stretch? You know, I definitely think those midweek games are crucial mm-hmm. to their success mm-hmm. because uh, they're the little ones. They're the ones that you don't, you know, it, it's not necessary to win, but you'd like to have uh, come to the end of the season. You know, it really shows when you look at the better teams in the NCAA, you look at their midweek records because, you know, they're on off. It's an off day. You know, they're having class. They just came out of class, really. I mean, it's during the week, and it's important that – that they perform well just because it shows how consistent you are as a baseball team. You know, of course, your weekend games, you're going to play better because they're on the weekend. You don't have anything to worry about. And the the baseball season, you know, as we always forget, is a long and arduous season. It's it's difficult. It's like basketball, really. But <coughs> NC State, I'm not worried about them right now. I think once Brian Brown comes back from injury, I think this team will start to, you know, pick up a little bit. But – NC State has some work to do. You look at how they're doing in batting. They're incredible. You know, you got five guys batting above 280. Brock Deathridge, Brock Deathridge excuse me, Brent Kinnaman, Will Wilson. The list goes on and on. These guys can hit the crap out of the ball, Drew. And they have a great – while the pitching staff is good, the pitching is weak, I think batting will make up for it. And their feeling is good. You know, Deathridge dropped a ball randomly in the outfield today. And you're looking kind of at the low point for the back, in my opinion. Well, and you look at the midweek and these non-conference games that they're going to round out before hitting ACC play. The ACC opening series is in Winston-Salem against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. This is going to be a tough stretch in the midweek for NC State. Not necessarily these games coming up on the weekend. You've got Rhode Island, Maryland, and Massachusetts Lowell, Western Carolina on Monday. So you're going to go four straight days playing baseball. But then you're going to head down to UNCW That is a team that hits for contact so incredibly well down there on the coast, and they have a ton of speed stored up down there at UNCW. Your next midweek contest is going to be at Elon, and that's a team that has very good pitching. Then you're going to have a midweek against George Mason. Then Campbell, another team that pitches very well. True baseball school at that. At Charlotte. In the middle against Asheville, UNCG, another team consistently growing their baseball program. Elon again, East Carolina, Wilmington coming here. What you're constantly seeing in the midweek is that you're playing in-state opponents or teams that are geographically close that aren't in a Power 5 conference. And believe me, it looks so good on their resume to be able to beat NC State, who's one of the better teams in the country. So you better believe everybody that they're going to be playing is going to come ready to play. And that is so incredibly important that NC State recognizes that because you do not want to be giving up games in your overall record and hurting your NCAA tournament resume by losing games in the midweek. Yeah, I mean, NC State, coming in their next rankings, they might drop out of the top 25. I mean, I, I think it. I think they might be in the upper 20s, but it's important, you know, you pull these games out. You know, 
You look at Hawaii. Hawaii is a good baseball team. Austin P. Austin P. is incredibly well coached. I don't think anybody <laughs> understood that as well as Elliot Avent did because Elliot Avent had coached their head coach. But Austin P. is a very good team. Yeah, Austin P. is a very good team. You know, they get they get the job done at UNCG. That's a game you need to win. Charlotte, a, a still a good baseball team. A team NC State should have beaten at home today. But I think NC State still has some things that you know, still some kinks to. to to figure out, I think NC State has got some work to do. Elliot Avent, one of the better coaches here at NC State, up there with Wes Moore. He's going to crowd these guys. You know, after the game, he said just flat out, we've just got to play better. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He is He believes this early in the season, it's unacceptable the way this team has been playing. I think he's going to get these guys into gear soon. I would agree. I think that this baseball team does have to start – being a little bit more serious about the games that they're going to play, this is not a time to hit the panic button. You're eight games into the season. You're still over 500. Right now, at least, you're still in the rankings. As you said, that could change here very quickly. But you got to shape up because you do have conference games coming up here quickly. And in places, it's a tough slate for NC State. They're going to have Louisville in a series. That is in Raleigh. Florida State is in Raleigh this year. At Carolina... And, of course, a big home series at the end of April against the Virginia Tech Hokies. All these games proving to be very important for NC State. And, of course, winning in the ACC always looks good when it comes to baseball. This could very well be another banner year for the ACC if you make the field of eight in this ACC tournament, winning your play-in game. In some cases, you should be good enough to get into the NCAA. And finally, we'll turn everything right back around from the grass infield to the dirt infield with the time we have left and talk about this NC State softball team. This is a softball team that has struggled, and it's not really a wonder when you look at their schedule. They dropped a game earlier in the week against Charlotte 5-2. to They have lost to ranked teams, ranked Florida Atlantic, ranked Michigan, ranked Minnesota, ranked Oklahoma. Oregon State was receiving votes. That's a hard schedule to play, but Sean Rychick talked about it in his interview. This is a very, very young softball team that doesn't necessarily know what it takes to win in the ACC yet because they're so youthful. I don't think that's really a cause to worry, but it is cause for a serious reality check in expectations, and when you look at their schedule coming up here, perhaps they can turn it around in the RDU-RTP tournament that they're going to be having this weekend. But this could be a longer process. This could be a building year for state softball. Yeah, I mean, they've only got three seniors on the team, and it's unfortunate because they're three solid seniors, you know, two North Carolina natives and Tyler Ross and Molly Martin, both outfielders. They're definitely uh, behind the, the power hitting of NC State Tyler Ross with – a plethora of home runs in her first three years at NC State. Molly Hutchison, of course, the other senior center and first baseman for the Wolfpack. She's having a great senior campaign again. But, yeah, a, a young team. Going to really get a good um, gauge of this team this weekend. Drew will be covering some of the NC State softball games. But, you know, it's going to be a rebuilding year. I think Rychek is the right guy for the job for NC State, you know. Jade Carraway, actually, you know, looking at her, she's having a good season right now, bat batting 455, a freshman. Incredible. I mean, from from Florida, she's having she's having a good year. You look at Molly Hutchinson, Brittany Nimmo as well. I think really where NC State lacks is their pitching, and you know, it kind of goes to the same thing with baseball. 
you know, they're, they're struggling a little bit, but I, I, I do agree that it's, that it's a rebuilding year. You look at UCLA, you look at, um, at all, all these teams they played, Michigan, Minnesota, they've, they've struggled, but they've, they've competed, you know, only losing to the Florida Atlantic by two runs, only losing to Oklahoma by two. They've had some sh- signs of greatness, but they have a lot of work to do. And the youthfulness is a part of it. Losing Courtney Mirabella, unexpected though it may have been, that that's a huge loss. When you've got a very, very good senior that you think you're going to have returning to the circle who steps away from it, and then you do have to go searching for a new pitcher, Peyton Silverman's coming in. She's doing the best that she can with what she's got. No surprise there. Brittany Nemo hasn't really gotten a chance to shine through as of yet. I think you're going to see her in the circle for at least part of this tournament. But she was injured through a majority of last season, and that really hurt Sean Reichick and company. You still got your power hitters. You still got Molly Hutchison back behind the plate. You still got Tyler Ross, as you said. Macaulay Prickett's moved to be a consistent starter. The outfielder adding a lot of speed to the lineup. Alyssa Compton returning. But overall, this is almost an entirely new look to the starting lineup compared to what Sean Reichick had last year. And that learning curve is very steep for NC State. I think this is a make-it-or-break-it weekend for the Wolfpack. When you look at their ACC schedule, though, it's actually quite friendly compared to what they could have had. You've got Syracuse and Virginia, both very middle-of-the-road teams. Tough series at North Carolina. It's always tough to win in Anderson Stadium. They'll actually be hosting the ACC tournament coming up at the end of this year. Georgia Tech on the road. Pittsburgh is the only ranked team that you have to play that is on the road. You managed to knock a game off of them last year. State plays Pittsburgh typically pretty well, and then you got Louisville at the end of the season. That'll be its own handful to deal with. But you do avoid the number one team in the country, the Florida State Seminoles, which is huge for Sean Reichick. And overall, if NC State can find a way to piece together a few wins here in series, Sean Reichick talked to us last year, and he talks about it's not always about winning every game. It's about winning series because if you're taking two out of three in a weekend, you're going to move up the standings board. This is still a softball team that could be competitive. They've played a tough schedule so far. We'll see if the learning curve ends up coming to NC State quickly as they head into ACC play. But while the record says otherwise right now, I still think this is a team you don't sleep on quite yet because we haven't gotten into conference play. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with baseball. Of course, you know, both respective seasons starting not long ago. You know, it's not time to panic yet while NC State is sitting at 3-12 and right now. and That is a daunting figure. NC State still has time to... You know, really work it out. You know, while they're going to lose Tyler Ross, Molly Hutchison uh, next year, it's it, it's going to be tough with those big pieces on your roster. You know, leaving the power hitting is virtually gone. But this year, rebuilding year, good time for NC State and these young freshman girls and young sophomores to figure out softball and and at college softball because you know while we forget these. these these girls are just like a year or two removed from high school, and, and it's tough to make the transition, Drew. Most certainly is. Final couple of minutes of the podcast, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention this. The wrestling team succeeding once again, swimming and diving, preparing for the national championships as those are quickly approaching. And the gymnastics team are right here in Raleigh hosting the EAGL championships coming up as well. 
any words on those teams that don't often get a lot of coverage? And we'll be sure on the next episode to really talk about those guys because they'll have more storylines coming up in the next week. You know, swimming and diving, incredible right now. They're up almost 100 points over Louisville in the ACC, turn, uh, ACC championships heading to the final day. Ryan Held won the 100 fly, Soren Dahl with the 200 freestyle. Wolfpack won eight of 14 events so far. I don't think they have what it takes right now to well, – I think they have what it takes, but I don't know if you can beat Cal right now in that NCAA championship. But if it's any year, it might be this year, Drew. You talk about wrestling, Michael Machiavello, those guys are killing it. You know, Kevin Jack, in my opinion, I'm, I'm, he might be – Kevin Jack champion. could be a national champion this year. I'm really heavy. I, um, I'm really high on um, Sean Fowles, the lightweight, who's the three okay. seed going into the ACC tournament as well. But once again, this is a wrestling team that is powerful. Yes, you don't have the big name heavyweight in Nick Gwizdowski, but nonetheless, everybody doing their part, carrying the load here. Exciting to see this wrestling team not only being good when they had one of the best wrestlers in the country, but actually being a good program all around, and certainly you got to believe that coaching staff is very, very happy. Gymnastics-wise, seniors enjoying their senior night coming up on March 10th, and then the EAGL championships right here in Raleigh on March 18th. So excited to actually be calling that event. That is going to be a lot of fun. I have never covered gymnastics, but I'm so excited to actually get to diversify my profile a little bit more. It's going to be quite exciting. Excellent show, Nick. Any final thoughts? You know, great show, Drew. You know, I, I'm excited to cover softball this weekend. I hope Rycheck and crew have a good show for us, I guess you could say. Hope they start piecing things together. I think the softball team, they've had some work to do, but the only way to go is up. Well, certainly looking forward to having another show coming up for you next week. For Nick Sinopoli, I'm Drew Blevins. You've just been given the state of Wolfpack Athletics. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to The Howler, a service of PAC-TV. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu slash sports.